never sleeps in this coffin, but rises every night at sunset. Chick is right. This is awful silly stuff. Top Comics, Abbott and Costello. Petrified, but hilariously. <laughs> Plus the dangerous and terrifying Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney. Plus that fiend out of a nightmare, the vampire Batman, Count Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi. Plus the most dreaded creature of them all, the Frankenstein monster, played by Glenn Strange. Plus a couple of luscious but designing females in the spookiest laugh fest on record. Welcome to a special team-up episode between the Fire and Water podcast and Supermates. We've got half of each team. I'm Chris Franklin, and <laughs> and I'm I'm not Cindy. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not, definitely not Cindy. Yeah, and I am Rob Kelly from the Fire and Water podcast. Uh, Rob and I are going to talk today. Uh, we're going to do a commentary track over. Uh, one of our, I, I, I know it's one of my favorite uh, movies, and I'm pretty sure it's one of Rob's favorites. Yep. Uh, it's uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Or if you want to be really technical, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello meet Frankenstein. I refuse to call it that. That's silly. <laughs> <laughs> just, I've seen I've seen that in several places where they actually call it that. I'm like, come on. Yeah, it's yeah. Abbott and Costello. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Let's not revisionist history this thing to death you know i mean okay they put their names their first names over top but so um we decided uh, we did a we did a commentary track on on white christmas uh last year and uh i think when we were doing one of the power record episodes we talked about how uh we brought up Abbott and costello meet frankenstein because it tied into the uh the uh, story of dracula frankenstein and the wolfman record and uh, we thought hey you know we should do that. We kind of jokingly said we should do a Abner Costello commentary, and and so we thought, hey, why not do it? <laughs> so another holiday season themed commentary, right, right. And over at Supermates, we've been doing um, uh, Halloween horror themed uh, episodes, so it just fit in just nice. So so we're gonna we don't have any you know film historians here, so we're just gonna have me and Rob <laughs> give you what we think about the movie. You want to get started, Rob? Absolutely. Okay. So on the count of three, one, two, three. There we go. Got the spinny globe, the Universal International logo. It says Real Art Pictures, Inc. I don't know what that's about. I guess somebody bought it Bought it later on and distributed it. Oh, I think uh, Real Arts, that was... Uh, yeah, that was the uh, company. If you see a lot of movie posters uh, that, uh, in lobby cards, they say a real arts re-release on a lot of the Universal stuff. So I think they must have, like, basically, like you said, just like re-released the the horror catalog at some point. 
And that's where you get some of the later posters. I really like this animated. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It, it, it reminds me of the uh, the Duck Twacy cartoon, the Daffy Duck. That is my all-time favorite Warner Brothers cartoon is Duck <laughs> Twacy. I love that one. It's done by, uh, no one knows for sure, but it is, most people believe it's done by Walter Lance from of Woody right. Woodpecker fan. Right, right. You know, and, and, and uh, it, it, it's funny, kind of funny because uh, I think Woody Woodpecker's maybe the one classic cartoon character my kids have no idea who he is. I, I just that he's never come back around. Yeah, and, you're right. You're right. Nobody's done anything with him. It's it's kind of sad. I really like the score in this movie. Oh, uh, it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, this this these credits, I mean, obviously it's got the cartoony credits, you know, with the skeleton. Stuff, but it's it's a fairly dark and you know, sort of moody. It sets the tone perfectly. Right. Yeah. And then of course we we're in London and we get some, probably some uh, stock footage. From... Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I think this, uh, we see a Bobby here. I'm pretty sure the, the policeman in London, I'm pretty sure that's from a, a, a previous universal monster movie. He looks familiar, but I couldn't, I couldn't place it. And uh, now we got uh, Lon Chaney Jr. Returning as, as Larry Talbot after a three-year absence, although he looks like he's aged about 13 years. He's had a hard life on Cheney Jr. Yeah, he, he really did. But I, I really, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Lon Cheney Jr. as I've really come into to liking the the Universal Monster movies more and more and, and, and gotten into them more and more. He's he's kind of become one of my favorites. Everybody's a, a Lugosi or Karloff guy. I'm almost more of a Cheney guy. No, I love Cheney as well. He's a he's a perfect actor for kids because he's not terribly subtle, but he, right. you, could, you could really hook into the torment and everything. He was he was great. He was great. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, he 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 does such a. I mean, I think you know it's it, that was probably a perfect role for him because you know it, I mean I'm from the sounds of things the guy had a lot of a lot of personal demons yeah. you know and it just kind of came through and and his performance that's probably why it's so earnest you know yeah he's he's got his own he's got his own curse in a lot of ways so uh, here's our heroes we we should have mentioned here's our heroes but Avin, <laughs> luke costello the stars of our stars of our picture right here's uh just chicken wilbur yep um and uh and they have different names in every movie they're in but this time they're, they're chicken wilbur um it's uh it's kind of interesting i I have only recently started watching some of the other Meet the Monster movies. I haven't. I still haven't seen the Jekyll and Hyde one. Uh, um, have you? Have you seen all the the different various? I have seen every Evan Costello movie several times. I love oh, these guys. I absolutely. Oh. I grew up with them on Channel Forty Eight at home. There was a local syndicate station that played them on Sundays. And I, I was going to say, I think I probably saw this movie before I ever saw any of the real monster movies. Right. I, I, this was probably my introduction. And, and part of the reason this film is, is I think, successful and it has endured is that it takes the monsters fairly seriously. It doesn't, yes. except for one gag, it really doesn't make them the object of humor. Uh, it treats it fairly straightforward. And, and so, you know, you could say it's a real monster movie with all this comedy worked in. But uh, right. I think that's probably why I love the monsters so much is that I, I think they're great in this movie. And then on top of it, I've got all the comedy that I like from these two. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it definitely, you know, it's just like two hapless guys that get dragged into the plot of a monster mm-hmm. movie. And uh, it really works. Uh, I, uh, me and Cindy watched uh, The Time of Their Lives the other night on that's TV. That's a great one. 
I never seen that before. That was oh, the first crazy. She really, she really, really liked that one yep. movie. She thought it was cute. That has a seance scene in that movie that is as scary as anything in yes. any other movie from that time, and then you completely can forget that there's Abbott and Costello were in it. There's a, yeah. yeah. Sure. I mean, it's it's like when the yeah when, when, well, I don't want to spoil the movie for people, but yeah, I know the scene you're talking about yeah. in particular. Uh, in the commentary by Gregory Mankey, he talks about how you can see the moonlight coming up the I wall. I love that. That's a great effect. Come through the blinds and stuff. Yeah, That's I great. never noticed that. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, it's it's great. Now, here's the part where young Chris Franklin lost his crap. <laughs> <laughs> here's the transformation. Poor Lon Chaney had to sit in place for like 13 hours or something when they did this. Yeah, it's insane. Oh, because yeah. they had to do it piece by piece and just, you know, film yeah. it bit by bit. That's just, oof. And, yeah, yet, I, and yet he played the Wolfman every time. I mean, as, as difficult as this had to been for him to do, he never fobbed this part off on anybody else. No, and, and in fact, everything I've ever read said, you know, he was that was his favorite role yep. of the of the monster movies, at least. Probably Lenny was maybe his favorite, of Mice and Men was his probably favorite of all time. But the Wolfman, he, he was very proud that that was his, his baby, apparently, he yeah. said. Because so. he played every monster character. He played Frankenstein, he played Dracula, he played the Wolf, he played the Mummy, all of them second or third time around in the series. But this, yeah. was, this was the only character that he played from, from the start and all the way to the end. Yeah. Now we get Mr. McDougal here. Man, this guy is angry. This guy has some anger management. <laughs> he comes to the desk just foaming at the mouth. I mean, Gosh. <laughs> yeah, right from the get-go, he's pretty pretty angry. Where are my crates? That's like, jeez, dude. Uh, but uh, yeah, the I, I told this story on the on the Power Records podcast, but I guess it bears repeating here. My my grandfather was a huge Javin Costello fan, and this movie was going to be on one of the local channels. It was probably around Halloween, I imagine. Maybe, maybe not. But, but uh, his television was getting repaired, so he came over to our house to watch it. And I was about four or something like that. Well, you know, Lon Chaney Jr. changes into the Wolfman we've just seen within the first few minutes of the film. When he started to change, I apparently just went hysterical. <laughs> and just, you know, crying. And so they had to turn it off and console me and, wow. and i was scared just witless <laughs> of, of, uh, of the monsters in particular the wolf band and werewolves for for years afterwards and uh, i was i was such a wiener uh, <laughs> <laughs> well and, you know you're a little kid come on <laughs> it, it wasn't until years later that uh, that some kid brought this this uh movie to uh to school and we watched it like i think third grade and and, you know, I was a little nervous. I hadn't seen it. And, and then, you know, I watched it. I'm like, what was I so <laughs> scared about? And I really loved it. And, and the funny thing was, is even after that, I kind of had this, um, you know, I, I kind of liked the monsters from afar. It was like something that I knew scared the crud out of me, but I still was interested in mm-hmm. it. You know, it's like this fascination with something that just terrified you. Hmm, I and, wonder if what's going to happen here. Yeah, the, <laughs> Yeah, let's see. He gets up on this giant crate. This is a nice little gag here. It's it's pretty well done. Although it's <laughs> you can kind of understand maybe a little bit while McDougal is upset. Yeah, hey. he came in pre-upset, but <laughs> keep your shirt on. You're insured. <laughs> Thanks. <Yeah. laughs> Thanks, chick. Yeah, 
I, I, I really like, uh, of course, I guess it's Abbott's character in pretty much every movie he's in. He's kind of got that, you know, just slick talking, blase attitude to everybody. Like when, when Talbot comes in later, he's like, you're, you're Wilbur Gray and you're chicken. He's like, yeah, so what? <laughs> it's just like, not like, oh, well, how are you? It's just like, what do you want? <laughs> yeah, I love, I always love Bud Abbott. And people said he was the greatest straight man in the history of comedy. And uh, I, I think I agree with that. He just always perfectly set up the comedy and, you know, right. yeah. McDougal's House of Horrors. Yeah. Nice. Very, again, very mood, you know, like the, the set dressing, all of it, it works perfectly fine for a regular universal horror film. You know, yeah. the, 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 the creepy lighting. I mean, most, most comedies at the time are, you know, they were overlit, you know I mean? They weren't lit for scares or any, any sort of mood, but this really puts it across. I mean, this, this movie perfectly fits in with all the other universal monster movies. I mean, that's, uh, you know, some people, some purists might say, oh, well, you know, it doesn't, the continuity and blah, blah, blah. Well, go back and watch those movies. There's very, There's no very content, little very little. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very loose. I mean, it's funny to think about that Marvel, you know, now gets all this credit for putting together a cinematic universe. Yeah. You know, and Universal did it first. You know, right. U- I mean, Universal had Dracula, Frankenstein, and then they poured all their characters into one movie together. Right. The, the, the moment that Frankenstein met the Wolfman, I mean, <laughs> that was when they tied everything together. Yeah. So, and then in the next uh, House movies, you, you know, you threw Dracula in there. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. It was John Carradine, but you know, it's still Dracula. It's still Dracula. So. Yeah, I mean, they tr- and they tried. They wanted to get the mummy involved, but they just couldn't figure out screenplay-wise how to do it. Right. But uh, that you know, I mean, it said think about Universal did it seventy years before Marvel did. Right, and you know, and they've got this new, uh, you know, this new proposed shared universe, uh, which apparently now starting with this Dracula Untold movie. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. I didn't yeah, know that was part of it. That, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I just read that the other day. You know, they had said they were going to launch it with this new Mummy film. But now they're backtracking and say, no, it starts here with, with Dracula huh. Untold. So they must have a pretty good bead that that's going to do well, I guess. Mm, or, wow, now, now I kind of want to see it. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> it actually doesn't doesn't look bad, but I just, I, don't, I really don't know about making Vlad the Impaler too heroic, but mm. okay. <laughs> I guess he is a, in Romania, I guess he is kind of a, a national hero or something so. maybe, but yeah. But uh, so we got, uh, you know, we, we we're going to here in a moment. We'll we'll get to meet some of our other stars. But I think it's interesting, you know, it, it's something that occurred to me while kind of watching this with more of a critical eye. Uh, weren't they supposed to wait and open the crates when the insurance agent and Mister McDougal arrived? I but think they're, so. They're just doing it anyway. They're doing it anyway. <laughs> Nobody, you know, said they were real competent in their jobs. <laughs> Of course, you get the lights go out, and it's already spooky in there. And yeah, like you said, it's very atmospheric. I mean, that looks like a a very creepy place to be at night. You can just imagine it. It wouldn't be a very uh, it wouldn't make you very comfortable to be in there. Yeah, I mean, we didn't mention it at the top of the the, the commentary, but this is directed by Charles Barton, who right. was their longtime director. He directed many, many of the Avon Costello movies. Um, I don't know how much he did outside of these films, but um, you know, he, he was a really very competent director. I, I mean, clearly he was comfortable with different styles because he directed their other movies. I think he directed the one just before this, which was The Wistful Widow of Wagon Gap. 
And that's a very typical comedy, you know. And you know, here he's completely changing up the style, and it works quite well. So he was he was a pretty talented guy. I, I, he directed the the time of their lives too, and I, I, I think mean, right, that's a great one, right? So. I believe that may have been his first one. I think that's what um, what's his name uh, Ben Mankiewicz said before the movie started <laughs> the other night on TCM. So uh, yeah, you've got uh, now you've got he's reading the the Dracula legend, uh, and here's Dracula. Yeah, <laughs> Bela Lugosi. Only Bella. the second time he ever played the character. Wow, that's just. Unbelievable. I, it really just, I mean, it just seems wrong that he only played him twice. And, of course, he, he had tons of stage performances as Dracula, but even preceding the first movie. But, you know, it's uh, it just seems wrong. And the poor guy, both both times he played Dracula in the film, he was like the last minute. Oh, okay, just just use him. You know, that <laughs> it, it seems so odd because, you know, they in 1931, the Universal resisted casting him. And uh, they had a guy by the name of Ian Keith in mind. And turn around, what was it, 17 years later, they still had Ian Keith yeah, in mind yep. for this. But luckily, you know, and, and John Carradine apparently was, what, was he busy on Broadway or something like that? So uh, they didn't they didn't get him. And I'm, you know, nothing against John Carradine, but he just can't hold a <laughs> candle <laughs> uh, to, uh, to Lugosi. <laughs> I mean, even his hands are creepy without any long fingernails or yep. anything like that. He just the, the hand gestures he, and the elongated fingers he has, just uh, it just works. He's just, uh, he's just Dracula, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and I'm, and I'm kind of go back and forth between being Lugosi or Lee on Dracula, but uh, in, in, these, in the Universal Universe, Lugosi's Dracula. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what, I think that's what gives this movie, this movie an extra bit of heft to it is that it's Lugosi not some later count you know some later fill in it's it's the original guy right right and he he's he really uh he does a great job in this movie and they kind of cast Dracula in a slightly different role I mean you know I don't I I don't think we're spoiling anything most folks have seen this he you know Dracula kind of as as semi-mad scientist in a way you know Mm -hmm. and 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 villainous mastermind you know so just beyond the stalking bloodsucker type, he's he's got a plot. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a yeah, he's got a plan to take over the world essentially here. Yeah. The uh I haven't seen Hold That Ghost, but I understand that the candle gags from that. I really yes. need to get them. Yes, it is. That's a great one. That's another great one, Hold That Ghost. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just I, I these guys just make me laugh. They just do, and they always yeah. have since I I laughed when I was a kid and I, I've loved them. I never stopped. Uh, there was never any point where I didn't think they were funny. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the gags are, you know, they're very stock and they, you know, but, um, I don't know. I just laugh. I just see these guys together and I, I just. <laughs> well, you can appreciate, you know, even if you know, okay, that's an old gag, the art of doing it so well. Right. And nobody's better than them at that type of gag, yeah. you know? So, I mean, you can enjoy just seeing them go through the, like who's on first or anything like yeah. that, just through it. Um, it's kind of neat at uh, at one of the local theaters. They've got different, you know, popcorn drink combos. And there's one uh, that's uh, like a medium popcorn and a large drink. It's called Abbott and Costello. Oh, I love that. I would order that every time if they had that around I, I, here. I do. I do. I, I go in and like, I said, like, what are you going to get? So I'm getting Abbott and Costello. I would order it just to, just to be able to say it every time. I would, I would order that. The, I, of course, if you went up to the teenage kids working it and said, Hey, Abbott! They wouldn't. <laughs> 
they wouldn't get it, you know. Most likely do something near popcorn, so yeah, probably not a good idea. There he is. There's Bella. There he is. He's out and full, about. Full flower. Oh. <laughs> Working that cape, man. For some reason, he's afraid of Bud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, why didn't he just, you know, bite him? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he didn't know. Maybe they were armed with crosses and garlic and all sorts of things. The, um, there's a, uh, I, I've mentioned it on, on Fire and Water at least a couple of times. There's a, uh, a couple of guys that live in my area that I'm friends with, and they run a company called Exhumed Films, and they run horror films and other genre things on the big screen. You know, they actually get prints of them. And I go to them as much as I can, and they're always a lot of fun. And the first time they ever started, the first set of films that they ran, they started at a theater in a little rundown theater called The Harwin, which is a couple towns over from here. It's uh, now been it's been demolished, unfortunately. But the, uh, but the Harwin used to be a vaudeville theater, and Abin Costello played there. Oh, wow. And, and I just, I was so entranced by the idea that I was in the same theater that people saw. I was looking at the same stage that once had Avon Costello standing on it. I, I just thought that was, I was so charmed by that. And uh, I, I was like, you know, they should get this declared a landmark or something. How many vaudeville theaters are still around? But unfortunately that never happened. But I just, I just, oh man, I was like, oh, I was in the same room as these guys. This is amazing. Yeah, that, that would be, that would be something else. I mean, yeah, that, that's awesome. Uh, you know, unfortunately I just didn't, I know there was a movement to keep Universal from demolishing. What was it? The, the Phantom stage. Yeah, yeah, with the chandelier and the whole bit. Yeah, yeah I think they did. I think they tore it down. I, I think I heard that the other day. Yeah. Hopefully they saved the set. I don't know if they did or not, but you know that thing had stood there for you know almost closing in on a hundred years. You know, and uh, and you know of course there were reports that it was haunted. Actually, even you know people supposedly saw Cheney and everything, but you know who knows? But it's kind of a nice story anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's always telling. He's always telling Costello to shut up. He's always yeah. saying, "Shut up, shut up, shut up." Now there. Now Bud is going to use a word here. Uh, oh, what it is? Uh, it comes. Yeah, you're going to know. Yeah, here it is. He says it's right about here. Yeah. There it is. Help me with this Excelsior. Growing up, I only knew one use of that word, which was, of course, from Stan Lee. And I didn't know that that was a word for anything else. I was like, I was so confused. I was like, what what did he call it? Help me with this what? And then I did look it up. It was, oh, Excelsior is an actual term for that stuff, you know, that kind of like packing material. But I never knew that. I always just knew it as Stan Lee's uh, exclamation. Yeah, I knew it as that, and you know, in the ship and Star Trek movies. Yeah, <laughs> in that the DC too. Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, you just want to. Now, now, the one thing that always kind of bothered me, and I and I and I always have to remind myself: Why does Dracula keep his cape up over his lower face? <laughs> yeah, through the whole movie. But I think it's because so he doesn't blow his Doctor Lejos, uh, so he won't recognize him as Doctor Lejos later in the movie, and maybe to emphasize his eyes more. But it. It's, you know, maybe it's, it's almost like he's got a cold or something. <laughs> I don't want to breathe on you or something. <laughs> Recreating Plan 9 from Outer Space where they were hiding that it wasn't Bella, actually. But... It's the dentist. Yeah, it's <laughs> the dentist. Ed Wood's dentist. Look Period. at his hands, man. You must I mean, be double-jointed. I, yeah, I've never understood. Nobody, who else can do that? <laughs> I, mean, it's just, I mean, you can try to mimic it, but it just... I don't know. And that's, you know, probably something he just developed himself, you know, when... Yep. 
they said he used to stand in front of the mirror and say, I am Dracula, you know, things like that. So, so he, you know, he was an early method actor. Yep. Obviously, because he was actually buried in his Dracula cape. So, <laughs> you know, he was, he was deeply into the role. He sure was. Now this, I mean, the original title of this movie is The Brain of Frankenstein. Right, which right. gives you the idea of the plot. Now, it seems incredible that you would call it anything other than this, other than yeah. Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein, because the brain of Frankenstein doesn't sound like a comedy. No. Um, but that's the plot, obviously. It tells you from the title. Now, here he is revolving, reviving Frankenstein, played by Glenn Strange. Yeah, yeah. Third time for Glenn Strange as Frankenstein's monster. And I always wondered why he put the loop of his ring over his eyes. I get the whole... Electrocute, you know, I mean, uh, you know, jolt up his uh, bolts with his uh, ring, and but uh, he puts the loop over his eyes. Yeah, I don't know. Strange. <laughs> just like maybe he just thought he needed a little extra procedure. That's a nice, you know, he really kind of shows even half of, you know, half out of it, the monster just tears that huge crate apart. Yeah. Oh, when I was a kid, it just, it, there was just such a, a thrill seeing all these characters together. I mean, ob- right. obviously, because that's. The history of everything is you, know, you put a bunch of characters together to make it more popular. But there was just something so cool seeing these guys in the same scene. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's the whole just imagine, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly, just, yeah. You know, or, or the Avengers, you know. I mean, look what that did, obviously. Now, this is the, the one gag that the monster participates in. Yeah. That one, yeah. where he's, he's terrified of Lou's face. That's the only yeah. gag. That's the only one that they do. Yeah, that's that. Uh, the 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 Wolfman is the brunt of a few gags, but but not not horribly bad. But yeah, that's that's about the only one the monster that gets into. Uh, Glenn Strange actually, it was it was weird when I was a kid. Uh, after seeing this, I I recognized Glenn Strange uh, in the uh, Lone Ranger series. The he was Butch Cavendish, the man that kills the Rangers. That uh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's a pseudo pseudo superhero tie in there for you and of course he went on to play on Gunsmoke and as the uh, as the bartender at the saloon he apparently was a very nice man like in real life like just a really sweet guy and just loved his life and loved you know didn't have an intention of having this career and sort of stumbled into it and then just lived a great life his whole life you know just enjoyed this this process which is kind of sweet to hear there's a great story about him apparently where him and his brother saw Frankenstein for the first time yeah. in 1931 and after he left they were like wow and Glenn Strange said where did they ever find a guy that looked like that <laughs> <laughs> and Glenn was kind of an innocent guy I guess yeah you know it's funny because some monster fans prefer Glenn Strange because of his face like looked so so craggy and, mm-hmm. and anyway without even the makeup and they, they prefer that look and that look got merchandised a lot particularly in the 60s right on a lot of the monster stuff it was him uh on the licensed material over karloff even mm-hmm. so, uh you know the the bat the bat props actually pretty well done yeah this, yeah this it's, you see the string a few times but not bad you know no, so, no, it looks fine. Look right there. It looks fine. Yeah, it looks, perfectly yeah, it looks, fine. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Uh, Professor Stevens there is the, added to the long list of of the bland male leads that are just kind of yeah. in the background in a Universal Monster movie. <laughs> they're just there to kind of to, to fill in the... It's like there's got to be a good-looking kind of, you know, generic good guy yeah. type character. So the, the bat transformation, it, it, you know, it works. It's a cartoon... 
uh, you know, simple cartoon transformation, but it, it works. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's, it, Walter Lance's stuff is very fluid. Yeah. And it, I think it looks, yeah, it looks great. Especially said when you think about that the audience this is intended for, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. At around the same, well, the same year, uh, Kirk Allen would turn into a cartoon when he flew as Superman, and it didn't work as well. <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. That does not, yeah. I, I've, I've never totally been able to get past that and when I w- would watch that, the, the game Cartoon Superman. Yeah, instead it just always takes me out. And I think in the, I think even in Superman and the Mole Man, George Reeves in the very first thing they did, there were a, a couple little cartoon segments in that, and that kind of that takes you out of it, especially when you're so used to the one stock shot of him flying yep. from the yep. from the series. Now I don't think we've mentioned this is Lenore Albert mm-hmm. uh, playing. Now she had you know a career kind of doing these side parts and whatever, um, you know, in 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 universe playing. You know, she was never the lead. She was always and she did a lot of genre stuff. She's good here. I mean, earlier in the story, she seems to be romantically interested in Lou or uh, Wilbur, and that doesn't seem to make any sense because she's you know, a very beautiful woman, and even right. Bud. Again, Bud, Chick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> even Chick comments, I don't get it. And we find out that this is all of a plot, that they're going to use Costello to plant the brain of Frankenstein right. in there. So that's that's why she's interested. This is all a blind and stuff. So she's she's pretty duplicitous. Right. And, and that, there's, that line's great when, when uh, uh, Chick's like, frankly, I don't get it. And she's, or she, he says, frankly, I don't get it. And she says, frankly, you never will. Yeah. <laughs> Double entendre there. You Poor know. Bud. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's kind of interesting if you know if you followed all the Universal movies, you know Frankenstein's brain has had quite a journey. Because <laughs> if unless there's stories we don't know about, sitting inside his skull is the brain of Igor, right? Who was played by Bella Lugosi. Right. <laughs> <laughs> his own brain is inside that. That's <laughs> whoa! That'll blow your mind. Now, I do have to wonder, you know, how did they get Dracula's coffin to the island? I mean, we saw him fly in as a bat. Maybe he came in by boat, because later we see him on the boat. And then he, he was just circling around as a bat, maybe. But Maybe so. But, uh, yeah. So now, oh, when we saw the castle, it made me think, wow, a, a castle in, in Florida. Like, <laughs> that's where Shaq lives. Huh? <laughs> they have everything in Florida. They have everything in Florida. Even stuff you don't want, but they've got it. Yes. Yeah. Castle Shag. Castle Shag. <laughs> uh, so the boys are they are they're out of jail. They were taken to jail because of the the bodies missing from the the crates and and of course uh, Thomas said Bud. Chick doesn't. It's so easy. Just to, just so easy. Bud. It's just Bud. <laughs> Chick doesn't. Uh, Chick doesn't uh, believe. You know what uh, Wilbur's telling them. Of course not. Of course, of course not. And. Uh, and he's going to do his Dracula bit, which is which he does several times. I like when he does the finger thing, the hand thing later. It's got a neat bit. But uh, now Costello uh, did not want to do this movie. He, when they first pitched the idea, he said something to the effect of, uh, "My daughter could write something better than this." Like he was not. And and what I've heard of the original story, he was right. The original yeah. story is terrible. It it involves the monsters being revived by by. By uh, getting baked beans and like onions <laughs> smothered on them, like it's yeah. incomprehensible. Right, uh, right. So they they did a rewrite and rewrote it as this, and this works a lot better now. Still, I still think Costello really didn't want to do it, but yeah. but you know they were sort of troopers and they went ahead and they did it, and this ended up being 
they, I think what, was it the most successful Universal film of the year? I think. Yeah, something I think like that. Their most successful was it one one of their most successful. Definitely films. one of their most successful, and maybe the yeah. most successful film that the studio put out that year. Yeah, yeah. So now we get Larry Talbot back in the picture, and and uh, you really get that uh, you know he's out in this scene that that he's he's come 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 to the states to stop Dracula. Uh, so you know that ties back in. He had to have met Dracula before, and. They did meet in, in, in House of Dracula. And, uh, it, it, you know, again, if you watch all the movies, to me, maybe it's just me, but to me, Larry Talbot kind of emerges as the hero of the series. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and uh, I think that the Universal reboot that they're doing, they would be smart to cast, in Marvel style, cast an actor that, that uh, could pull that role off and have him be the linchpin in the entire series, I, I think that'd be a good way to go. And, and plus, you get the whole—he's the hero and the villain. I mean, yeah. it's, yep. I mean, it's a great—it's a—it's—it's it's a great setup. I mean, you could have—you know—if you want to tie it into the mummy, say Larry's—you uh, know—he heard that uh, that there's some kind of—you uh, know—all the hieroglyphics that show the jackal-headed—you know—Egyptians and the gods and things. Well, maybe they're—maybe that's like an ancient werewolf, and there was a cure for it. So he goes to Egypt and. And then gets involved with a mummy or something. I, I like that idea a lot. Yeah, so I mean, you know, maybe I shouldn't put that out. I'll write that down. That's yeah, write that down. <laughs> so so uh, he asks Wilbur to, to lock him up. He's, he's He knows the full moon's coming, so he's going to go. L- luckily, he doesn't change his clothes like he did in the original Wolfman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After he became the Wolfman. <laughs> it's like, you know, he, he decides to... Uh, Get furry and then then go through his closet and pick out a nice matching set of slacks and shirts. But uh, and here's another word that I was not familiar with: grip. Oh uh, right, yeah, grip, yeah. Grip, but they use that term repeatedly. That must be something that's just kind of fallen out of favor. Yeah, because he just you lost your grip. You forgot your grip. Get a grip. This <laughs> is constantly in this movie with them being baggage handlers, but. Nice room. I mean, pretty, yeah. pretty big for a hotel. Yeah, you know, the Talbots were well off. So, oh, you know. here we go. <laughs> I don't know if he still had access to his money since he was, you know, declared dead and, and revived. Yeah. But <laughs> so the makeup on the Wolfman is uh, it varied from movie to movie anyway. But now you've got Bud Westmore coming in and doing the makeup for the monsters, his his team. Uh, Jack P. Pierce that created nearly all the Universal Monsters looks is was uh, basically well he was fired yeah uh, and uh, he uh, uh, apparently because he didn't you know change with the times he didn't adopt modern techniques he didn't use foam rubber uh, appliances uh, very often although I guess the the Wolfman snout always was but. He was, uh, you know, it, 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 kind of slow and laborious, and apparently he was kind of cantankerous too. Yeah, yeah, not uh, a fun guy. Yeah, that's that's what I understand. But uh, but so the Wolfman's kind of got a different a different look about him than uh, than even his uh, standard look. But it it, it works. It's uh, you know I, I think it looks it's a good look. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. All the products you always see, or a lot of products you see, they color the. The actual around his eyes and his mouth and stuff kind of flesh colored, but in the movies, in this one particular, it looks very dark. So 
I never have quite understood that. I guess it's just a shorthand of making him look a little more human or something. So this scene in the insurance office, according to the commentary on Greg, by Gregory Mank, this was filmed like after the movie wrapped, right? Or yeah, something like that. Yeah, because they needed to explain the character of uh, Joan here, um, who will become central to the plot. She's uh, you know an insurance investigator trying to figure out what happened with the uh, with the bodies. Uh, all this has to do with McDougal's claim there. I hate, it. I hate to, to interrupt you on that, but I was curious. That window that's behind them where it says insurance reversed, yeah. there's, a, there's clearly a giant tree in front of that. So who is supposed to see that word insurance right. through the giant tree? I don't understand who's, who's looking at that. And why, why did it just say insurance? Why didn't it say, you know, state farm insurance yeah. or, or whatever, you know? <laughs> it's like just generic insurance. I love these clothes. That's one of the reasons yeah. I'm such a fan of like this era. These clothes are just beautiful. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I mean, Bud's Bud shirt and tie combo is killer. You know, I mean, I love it. I wish men still dressed like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd like to dress like that. When he when he dresses, he's got his hat and his his uh, coat on later. He's, he looks very George Reeves, you know, yeah, which I always the, love the yeah. way George Reeves looked as as Clark Kent. It's like, man, I wish I, I hope I look like that when I grow up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, if we ever get together, Chris, we'll dress like that together so we won't look unusual because it'll be two guys go. and we won't stand we'll, out. I'd like to know where it is. We'll, we'll wear our pants up to our yeah. chest. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll, we'll fast talk like this. <laughs> Stay out of the way. Get Come on. Way. Let's see. Let's go. I don't have time. Let's go. Yeah, don't, don't let anybody ever finish a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, made me think of the uh, – there was a great ad on uh, TV Land years ago for I Love Lucy that was the – that ate Fred Merckx. <laughs> yeah, they were like right under his nipples. Yeah. Yeah, it kept showing William Frawley with his pants up higher and higher and higher. Uh, I don't know how we got off on that. <laughs> yes, and her bud is incredulous. Yet another woman is interested. There's another very attractive woman coming on to Costello. I mean, Wilbur. Well, excuse us, Wilbur, yeah. Wilbur, Wilbur. It's coming on to Wilbur. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, he can't stand it. <laughs> And you can kind of, you know, you can, it, it's, you kind of see why it's like, um, you know, he's not a bad looking guy, you know, he's probably been a lead, you know, or at least a, a secondary, the, 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 the somewhat handsome friend of the leading man yeah. in, a, in a film, you know, so. Uh, and it's funny too, because I mean, Costello for, you know, for a little while when they were having a slightly more contentious relationship. He tried to change the billing of the team to Costello and Abbott and tried to get more money. And, oh. and, and of course, he did one film by himself after the team had broken up called 30 Foot, 30 Foot Bride of Candy Rock, which yeah. was a giant flop. And, <laughs> I mean, so it's like, you know, Costello con- conceived himself as the star of these movies, and he ostensibly he is. The plot really does revolve around him. He's the one doing all the jokes. But yet the one film he did without Bud, nobody was interested so, right, uh, it's, it's they they had to be there. I mean, you had to have you had to have somebody to play off of. Yep. I mean, it's yep. uh, you know with you know maybe and I haven't seen that film, but without without Bud, you know you would it, it, he might it might border on the slightly annoying if he's not there to kind of yeah. It's not a great. I mean, I don't, I I haven't seen it in many years. I watched it, of course, because it would when um, the channel that I watched always on they they it was packaged with 
the Abbott and Costello movies because it was done like a year later, or t- just two years later after they had done their last film together. Uh, the film itself is not good. I can't really judge of like whether Lou is bad or good in it. The movie yeah. itself was pretty cruddy, so it's so kind of hard to sort of really get a read on whether he was any good. He apparently did some dramatic work on television um, after he split up with Costello, but that stuff is, as far as I know, completely unavailable because it was done as live TV. And supposedly he was pretty good, you know? Like, he did, like, a Western, and uh, I would have liked to have seen that. That would have been pretty interesting, but, uh, you know, as far as I know, it's it's lost in the mists of time. Yeah. And And Bud never did anything else. Bud... Pretty much, pretty much retired. They did do an Abbott Costello cartoon series, right? In the yeah. Late sixties, where they had another comedian playing the parts of, of Lou, and Bud Bud did his own voice. Right. Um, that last Candy Candido is that guy's name was the guy that replaced Lou, and they did a little they had like a brief run, but that was pretty much it. Bud pretty much stayed out of the limelight. Hmm. I know they did a comic, a Charlton comic based on that. Steve Skeets wrote Steve it. Steve Skeets wrote it, yes. Aquaman writer Steve Skeets. Aquaman, yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, it was kind of funny when they walked in. Uh, Chick said something like, he must have had a, a whale of a, a bender last night or something like that. That's unfortunately all too, uh, probably all too true for for uh, Cheney, you know. Yeah, well, apparently uh, him, he was buddies with the actor Broderick Crawford from Highway yeah. Patrol. And they used to, on week on Friday nights and stuff, get drunk and just fight in in Lon's in Lon's dressing room and just wreck it. It probably looked like this. Uh, look, you know, the dressing room probably looked like what we see here. They just broke all the furniture and just would just beat the crap out of each other to the point where Universal finally took it away because they just kept yeah. breaking everything. Right. And they both had played Lenny, Broderick. Crawford. And they both had played Lenny on Mice and Men, you're right. Yeah, he was he was Lenny on Broadway and then when they came out to California, Cheney took over and, and then he got the, the lead in the movie. So it's 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 that's another interesting little tidbit there. Uh, I like when uh, you know in that scene we just saw uh, Talbot really comes across. I mean he's you know, he's if you, if I, I, I'm going overboard with this, you know, lineage of, of Larry Talbot's <laughs> life, but but uh, somebody really likes the Wolfman and, and that actor. Uh, it really seems like he has the effects of his years as a werewolf have really just worn him down. I mean, he's he, he he's morbid. He's morbidly obsessed with all this stuff, you know. And he's like, you have seen the undead, and you know, he's not talking like a normal happy-go-lucky guy like he was at the beginning of the right. first film. It's really changed him, you know. So they go Great to the set. Cap- Look at that set. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I hadn't even noticed till last night the tapestry that's behind that staircase. I mean, it's got this beautiful tapestry with faces and everything on it. I had never noticed that before. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic set. I mean, it looks like it goes on for, like, up to the ceiling for, I mean, the ceiling's yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, look, look how vast this is. Look at look how look how tiny these figures are in this, in yeah. this set. It's, just, it's really astounding. I mean, they, they, you know, you think about the Universal movies, they, they always did have great sets. I mean, the the uh, the Frankenstein, the tower uh, with the lab, and, and uh, Frankenstein and the bride, and, and uh, then the Talbot Manor and the Talbot Castle in the yeah, yeah. Also, here's the. Uh, she's not very happy. No, uh, he's got competition for Saint Wilbur's Juliet. affection. Well, and plus he was just supposed to come alone because tonight was the night they were gonna, you know, take his brain. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, 
know, and you know, Wilbur's got no problem playing the field right here. He's going to see which, see how things turn out. Yeah, because you know, can't lose, right? Yeah, yeah. This is win-win. <laughs> yeah, I had two women fighting like that over me if I wasn't married. Yeah. That way. <laughs> not bad. Not bad at all. Poor, poor Bud. Poor Bud's just yeah. left out in the cold. He's just hanging around. Just. There was a, there was a great gag earlier. We were talking over, it, but it was like when when the other woman is uh, when Joan is is mooning over Wilbur, and Bud says something about going out to the. He says, "Well, you know, I don't have a date for the uh, for the uh, party," and and she just turns around and says, "Well, you're going to be very lonely then." <laughs> it's like just, he's not getting anywhere. He just gets beat up in this film. I mean, he just can't win. I mean. <laughs> I think he's bringing up, you know, it's like, well, suppose there was the third woman, you know, <laughs> yeah. named Mary or whatever. He's like, yeah, Mary. <laughs> here we go. Now, this is like one of the rare times in the movies where it, they work in one of their vaudeville routines. This movie is pretty free of the of the, the, the stock routines. Right. But this is like they got a little bit of a bit here and they really didn't do too much of that. No, now it's no. over very quickly. I mean, the, the it's. It's a, I guess I'm probably overselling. It's not really like a full, like a full vaudeville bit, but it's it's them just sort of joshing back and forth momentarily. Yeah, it's reminiscent of something they do there. Yeah. Nice tie yeah. on Lon there. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a wow. <laughs> that is an interesting looking tie. It is it is? It's uh, you know, Larry's the snappy dresser. He always had one. You know, <laughs> I mean, you you know, he doesn't have the cane anymore, but you know. The, <laughs> the wolf's head cane. The wolf's head cane, yeah. 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 So he's, you know, here he is calling again. He got a, he got a lead that uh that Dr. Lejos has uh been getting a lot of strange electrical equipment, so he's suspicious of this guy. He must have, you know, it's like does uh does Larry is Larry involved with the network of monster hunters? That's a great thing to think about. <laughs> Some Van Helsing descendants, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Well, I guess uh, Dracula in this, well, in the Universal, in the Universal movies, Van Helsing might very well still be around. The uh, what's his name, Edward Van Sloan. Edward Van Sloan, yeah, sure. Van Helsing in Dracula and Dracula's Daughter, so he, he could still he could still be around. And then there was that uh, that doctor in uh, Son of Dracula with with Cheney. That was uh, an expert on vampires. Oh, that, yeah, that's right. That's right. I can't think of his name. No, I can't yeah. either. Yeah, well, let's just imagine that that's what. <laughs> I think, like, I actually think Son of Dragon is not a bad movie, but Cheney is so miscast. I can't yeah. get past it. I just can't. I'm just like, that's just so not Dracula. Right. I mean, it's, you know, he does a really, actually, considering he does a, a good, it's it's kind of like the Michael Keaton effect. You know, <laughs> he does a good job in it, but it's just like, you know, it's you just kind of got to question other than the fact that he was the horror guy, that's the only reason that he was cast. Yeah, yeah. Look at this. Yeah. Look at this beautiful. Look at how beautiful this is. That's awesome. I mean, that's just. I mean, just imagine, you know, finding that, and you can just imagine going into the old house. You just, you know, you just you want to find things like that. Yeah, you know? it's you know, beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's just so well done, and the with the the water coming in, and the little mini dock, and everything, stairwell. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. This this whole this whole set is it's. I mean, it's just. I mean, it it's the that's what you know. Is that's one of the things that's magical about this movie is it's it's 
and it, it probably helped inform what you think of when you think of a haunted house or mm-hmm. Halloweeny type experience. But uh, it's just the perfect. It, it's it's perfectly done. It just it just fits exactly the way you think it should. And like I said, it probably influenced a lot of what we think about stuff like that, and definitely a good chunk of this influenced things like Scooby Doo, which yeah, oh sure, every Saturday morning, so. They definitely had to have aspects of this movie in mind. I always thought this was kind of interesting how he looks and does whatever this thing is. I don't is. know what that is, yeah. <laughs> that is. It's like he's just playing around with the set and the lighting maybe or something. I don't know. Maybe they said, just look into it. And he decided to do a little jig or whatever that was. So, ah, but, here we go. Yeah, here we go. This, this is the scene that... Uh, Apparently it took a long time to film because Glenn Strange just couldn't keep it together. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, if if you, if anybody has the DVD of this, you'll see outtakes of them of Glenn Strange just cannot keep it together when Costello's doing his bit. Yeah, he's he just uh, and and I think he he said uh, Gregory Manx said that, that that Strange said he, he could tell what he was doing even though he couldn't see him and he just couldn't. He just couldn't keep his keep himself from smiling and laughing, which is just the uh, you know. So it's hard, it, with that makeup, it's hard to imagine him, him laughing. Although there's a really cute there's some really cute pictures, uh, publicity shots from this film. Uh, I've seen them particularly in the the book, the Universal Studios Monsters: A Legacy of Horror by Michael Mallory, uh, which I got sitting right here. That's how I could rattle it off like that. But uh, <laughs> There's a picture of Chaney as the Wolfman and Strange as the monster, like dancing with some, you know, some rather good-looking ladies. And Chaney's even got his his Wolfman little furry feet on, and he's got him up in the air while, while they're dancing. <laughs> That's cute. So now, now, yeah, all hell's breaking loose here. All breaking loose. The Dracula's up about. This guy's, guy's cape over his face again, but now, of course, the wall's going to rotate. And you know, Jack's I love his little stampy feet thing that he did there. Yeah, yeah. And he can't even. He's, he's unintelligible. He's just like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Then they're gonna do the. Now he's doing the hand thing. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. This is this is. Uh, yeah. There we go again. And I love they just keep. You know, luckily Frankenstein's monster went and grabbed the coffin, and he keeps a hold of it. Yeah. <laughs> sequence so so you know so uh chick won't find the coffin in there uh, yeah that doesn't make a whole lot of sense so let's not pay too much attention to why he's got the coffin oh yeah. there he oh he's moving it though okay he is moving yeah. it to the boat i guess yeah he's, he's gonna hide it i guess they don't want him to they don't want him to find it i guess they figure they've, they've kind of or at least dracula's kind of figured out that that wilbur's you know that's his brain and he's pretty dim-witted so he's not really worried about him seeing it Always, this is funny. The wall almost catches Legosi's hand there. Oh, I didn't that, even notice that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he moves it just slightly when it's when it's coming around, but it almost hits. <laughs> that's a that almost that shot of Dracula there looks like it ought to be on a you know a Aurora model kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the coffee. Yeah, yeah, with this with this cape pulled around him like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's butt doing it. That just makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. And you're doing it wrong. It's like. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, you know. At this point, the Frankenstein walk has 
become part of the character, but the reason that he with his walked with his arms stretched out like that was because in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, after the events of of Ghost of Frankenstein, and they put Igor's brain in the monster, the the blood types didn't match. Science! And <laughs> and it left the monster blind. Right. And and so in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, he was intended to be blind and have the voice of Igor. That's why they cast Lugosi as the monster in that film. But somebody at Universal decided after it was filmed, oh, this sounds silly or something. And, and so they cut out all his dialogue. You can see his lips moving, but he's not saying anything. And he's groping around blind, but they don't mention that he's blind. Right. And then from then on, you know, Strange played him next and, he picked up on the way he walked, and that was kind of you know the 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 you know Karloff as a monster didn't didn't move that way. He was he he was kind of more like a more like a animal, you know, just kind of casting about and in 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 many ways. But yeah, the whole semi-robotic uh, walk of the monster was <laughs> come about by really editing, really. <laughs> yeah. So now they're, I like this part, but he's, he's just sitting there and then, yeah, yeah, that's, that's nice. Uh, I'm getting too into watching this. I've got, I know it's easy to get caught up in it. Uh, Here we go. Here's the man. Sandra, Sandra, I've just got to tell you, I was downstairs in the basement. Dr. Lejos. (laughs) <laughs> and his nice smoking jacket or whatever that is <laughs> yeah nobody understands why is this guy so pale <laughs> it is perfect all right my dear introduce me this is miss raymond mr young and this is wilbur oh wilbur wow <laughs> He's taking that as a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting patted on, so he's yeah. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> well, you know, Lugosi's got a very you know he was in his sixties at this point. He's kind of got a grandfatherly quality about him, I guess. You know, <laughs> in, in some ways. Yeah, this was. I mean, he had had a hard life too, of course, but this is. He still looks pretty good. This oh yeah. Before. He really started sliding, right? Uh, you know, where the, the the drug abuse was really hitting him, and well, yes, we are. He still looks pretty good. He's, you know, yeah, yeah. He doesn't look like he's in his sixties. He really doesn't. I mean, he's, he's, he looks good. And thank uh, you. He, this is yeah, before the Ed Wood, the Ed Wood movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't you join them? Which you know, I've, I've read, read, having read things over the years that you know the, the Ed Wood movie, it kind of. Definitely exaggerates quite a few things about, well, about everyone apparently. <laughs> but yeah, I love that movie. I, I still love that movie. Oh, I did too. Yeah, I don't necessarily take it as a true-life portrait of their relationship. No, especially the, the way Lugosi like hated Boris Karloff. I don't think that was actually yeah. really. I mean, I think that was more of a studio thing to have them have yeah, a rivalry. Yeah. Although in a lot of ways you kind of understand why he would because <laughs> he. Uh, Karloff never, never really slipped too far. No, Karloff was, yeah, Karloff had a great career. 
career from the, basically from Frankenstein on and was a national hero for the rest of his life. Right. You know, lived, lived life. Yeah, national treasure and, and everything. Yeah, definitely. And even, you know, I mean, every Christmas, you know, he, he's got Halloween and Christmas sewn up. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this scene with... Uh, Especially by Lenore Albert and Lugosi's really well done. It really shows that Lugosi still got it. I mean, he's very, you know, commanding. And you know, at first she's not, she's not having it. She's not impressed with Dracula, but she's in way over her head. She, yeah. she doesn't realize it, but she is. Yeah, he's uh, it's uh, it's. It, I kind of wonder what what exactly was she into in <laughs> with the European police were interested. What kind of Operations and things was 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 you know was a Doctor Moreau type stuff or, or what? You know. Yeah, she's a creepy gal. No yeah. So now he's gonna he's putting the deeper, deeper. Yeah. No deeper. Yeah. It's uh, he's got her. Of course, uh, here in a moment we get. Uh, now we should not be seeing him in the mirror there. No, no. That's that's the goof. That's the goof of the movie. Yeah, that's the big goof. Yeah, but look at the look on her face there when he seduced her. I mean, it you thought that came in in the Hammer films, but she was digging that. <laughs> so the whole sensual aspect. I mean, it was handed on in the other movies. Well, particularly Dracula's Daughter. That's got some very progressive things going on in that film. <laughs> that's pre-code Hollywood, you know. So uh, it's definitely, uh, I was really kind of shocked by that one. I mean, it's not like Hammer's the Vampire Lovers, but <laughs> I think it's things like, oh, he knew me, <laughs> the devil. Google doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would go to a dress-up party. He doesn't seem like no. much of a sport. No, I mean, they just, just assaulted him, and, and, you know, chick's right. We just got you for assault and battery. Of course, now he's going to get him a witness here. Yeah. Shortly. Go ahead, go ahead, do it over there. Yeah, yeah. That's a nice gag. <laughs> There's some elaborate costumes at this costume party. I mean, it's now that that guy there, the guy that uh, that they just talked to. Yeah, had seen him. I don't even know him. Right. That that guy is named Bobby Barber. And he was a friend of Bud and Lou's, and they hired him just to pal around the set and be funny and just, like, keep things light. And they threw him in the movie. Yeah. I mean, like, he basically he had no job other than just to clown around with Bud and Lou and, and keep everything, keep them in a good mood. Yeah, the, the outtakes, the, another outtake you see on the DVD is him coming behind Lugosi as he comes down the stairs. And Lugosi right. doesn't yeah. seem real happy about the fact that this guy's yeah. screwing up his tank. You know? <laughs> Yeah, he was he was very professional. Uh, was was Lou supposed to be uh, Mr. Hyde? He, he kind of looks like uh, Mr. Hyde. Look a little Mr. Hyde. Yeah, and uh, that was at this point Mr. Hyde had never been in a Universal movie. It wasn't until their Mr. Hyde movie that Jekyll and Hyde. Right, Carlos. Right. Yeah, I, I have not seen that one yet. I need to see. That's, that's another good one. I mean. You know, again, I'm not the best judge of these because I love, I personally love them all. So, uh, but yeah, I, I like that one a lot. I actually like Mr. Hyde. Like, I, I'll watch Karloff read a phone book, you know, so I'm, 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 I'm down for that. Yeah. Uh, when when uh, Cheney got a hold of Lou, he pushed Bud into that 
locker. I almost wonder, was he supposed to do that? <laughs> I've always kind of because he pushed him out of the scene. You know, maybe he was. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, Cheney you know, knew how to rough somebody up. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because apparently he really did in real life too. But in, in the first Wolfman movie, when he grabs a hold of Evelyn Anchors, he just shakes the tar out of her, man. I He's a physical guy. And we're here, this is in Florida, right? We've established right. this is in Florida. Yeah. Is this the same nightclub that uh, <laughs> uh, Phil and Bob, Phil and, uh, Phil and Bob go to at White Christmas? Because it looks like it's the same place, and that was in Florida as well. Everything's there, everything's yeah. up in air. There's a dock. Uh, it looks like it's the same place. So, like, in my world, this is the same universe taking place in Abigail's Pillow and White Christmas. So the sisters are performing there. So they're the sisters are performing. Yes, the, the Haines sisters are performing. Yeah, there's a zip line outside. Take him along with It's all one big universe. Yeah, yeah. Herb Vigran's running the place. You know. Yeah, absolutely. In between his Superman uh, guest spots as a villain. You know. That's right. Yeah. So you know, Cheney. I mean, Talbot. Talbot recognizes Dracula. And, so, so we meet again, Dracula. Count Dracula, and you know, but and but Dracula uses Talbot's name. Now, how would he know who he was? He calls him Mr. Talbot. Do you feel all right? I suggest you uh, consult your physician or whatever he says. So I mean, you know, that's that's kind of interesting because you know they that was a you know that was a little telling right there. I'm sure they didn't quite catch that, but. <laughs> Professor. Yes. What's great about what's great about setting a scene at a costume party is that you can just use all the costume you've got in your in your warehouse, right? Your studio. You get a cowboy and a devil, and a, you know, I mean, you yeah. don't have to like really work really hard. You just get into the wardrobe and just do one of everything. Yeah. Now, in this scene right here, uh, my understanding from that that uh, Universal book I mentioned by Michael Mallory, uh, you see that Lou's got a busted lip. Looks like he's got a split lip, and that supposedly came from later on in the film when Glenn Strange accidentally really clocks him. Oh right, right, right. Comes through that door, which we'll see later. But yeah, so he's he's uh, he's got the split lip from the show for it. <laughs> he got belted by the Frankenstein monster. So fully packed. I always thought that was just in cartoons, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's so what you know, it's kind of interesting, too. Uh, Abbott and Costello and Lon Chaney Jr. got lampooned a lot in Looney Tunes cartoons because there were several cartoons with mice and cats that were like Bud and Lou. And, you know, they used the a very the used actors that imitating their voices. And, and then every, every character that... I will love him and pet him and hug him and kiss him, George. That's based on Cheney's Lenny, you know. So it's kind of interesting. They they both were all three of them were lampooned pretty heavily. Oh, the bats in the eyes. That's that's actually kind of neat. Yeah, I like that. And then him blinking, you know, to kind of keep up with it. That's kind of what it's kind of surprising they didn't do that with Dracula earlier when when he was staring at her. But I guess they saved it for. For this and here she's I don't want to of course you do. put the bite on him but now she's don't you know what's going to happen I'll bite and you notice that uh, the chick and Larry are wearing very similar clothes <laughs> yes they are it's true and this will come in uh, to play in a few moments 
But make sure you got plenty of bandages. Maybe Dracula lured Joan into the So now they're searching for Joan has gone missing you know and she's Dracula's or Dr. Lejos is absconded yeah, with Joan. I wonder how many Tarzan movies they shot on this set. <laughs> Waiting for Johnny Weissmuller to swing by. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Whoever was Tarzan at the yeah. moment. It, or what week was it? You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> we put out a Tarzan uh, film. Uh, one a week. Full moon. <laughs> yep. You know, really, why? It's like he was. He knew the moon was coming. He wanted them to lock him up. Did he just kind of forget? Or <laughs> you would think that would really be on your mind. Mm-hmm. Really constantly. Up. Now he's gonna get down and make sure I get right in place in this log, so I don't have to move much while I apply yeah. my makeup. <laughs> His, his his transformation, his fades, uh, seems quicker too than it's smoother than in a lot of the earlier movies. And they really did. They had really perfected the, you know, how to get him to in the position to stand still. You know, by this point. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, you know, Cheney blamed this, the grueling makeup and everything, the role on a suicide attempt that he tried shortly after this movie wrapped and you know it's just uh it's kind of hard to <laughs> to believe after all the years he went through makeup and stuff that that's what you know drove him to try that but you know yeah. it's uh that's you know it's just a, it's just a sad thing to know it's kind of one of those things you really don't really want to know <laughs> but, yeah but it's there it is you know but uh, you know he he, you know, he actually had a, a a good career as a character actor after this, and of course he was in a lot of B movies, but he always got work. You know, he wasn't. I don't think he was ever down the way Lugosi got with the well, the, the really the yes, yes and no. Yes I mean, no. did you ever see Cheney's last film, Dracula vs. Frankenstein, from 1972? <laughs> yes, I have actually. Where he's that's a depressing thing. He's sweating watch. alcohol through the whole. Movie. Yeah, yeah, he looks horrible. Clearly. The director just used him for the name, and you know, yeah. probably just gave him booze. I, I, I find that movie hard to watch. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's so sad. It's so yeah, sad. that's true. I guess, I guess, in some ways, he did, but, but um, you know, I, I, I don't think he had the, you know, with Ch- with uh, Lugosi, there were several periods that I've heard of where he like really couldn't find work and was actually like stuck in England. He couldn't. He went there for like a revival of Dracula and then couldn't get back. He didn't have the money yeah. to get back. Yeah, no, Chaney, yeah, I think Cheney always did mention keep doing things for the yeah. most part. Yeah. Have you ever seen Spider Baby? I've never seen Spider Baby. I've seen, you know, I've been aware of the movie for 30 years or 20 years. I've never actually gotten around to seeing it. It is a strange film. And it's, you know, it, it, it's got to be an influence on things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it's basically about this just very. Twisted family and you know this inbred twisted family, uh, and uh, you know Cheney's kind of their these, these kids are all just these monstrous kids and and uh, Sid Haig's one of them, and uh, it's uh, it's actually a it's actually a really good role for Cheney. I mean, you really he, he makes you actually feel sympathetic for these these uh, these freaky people, you know. Mm. So, yeah, I'd recommend checking it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd love to see it. Another nice animated effect there. Yeah, that's, so. that's well done, yeah. And oh, now, we see, now we know that McDougal has been bit by a, a werewolf. Right. That's established yeah. that. We, 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 were, we were talking over top of that, and, and my understanding is 
Have you read uh, the novel Return of the Wolfman by Jeff Rovin? I know I have not. I have not either, but my understanding is is that McDougal's uh, being bitten comes up. Uh, oh, that's funny. And oh, yeah, he continues on from this movie, ties in the other Universal films, and even uh, he even ties in all the Abner Costello films, saying that basically Chick and Wilbur were the same characters as all of Abner and Costello's characters from their movies, and they just kept bumping into these supernatural elements and changing their names, <laughs> <laughs> like witness protection or something, you know. <laughs> Well, after, after we're done here, I got two tasks. I got to go see Spider Baby, and I got to go find that book. Yeah, I need to find that book. I I've been looking for it, but I mean, you you can't. I mean, it's out of print, and it goes for a pretty hefty price. So uh, I understand there were some sequels after that written by other folks, and and they weren't nearly as liked. But uh, it gets the seal of approval from about every Universal fan I've uh, well, talked to okay. that's read it. So Interesting. and Jeff Rovin, he he was uh, he was involved in uh, the Atlas. Comics. Right, I was just about to say that. He's yeah. the editor of the Atlas line of comics. Yeah, and Encyclopedia Superheroes books and, and uh, several other, you know, geek-related projects. So, right. Yeah, so now, you know, you can really see that uh, <laughs> Chicken and uh, and Larry are, are dressed exactly the same, which caused some of the yeah. confusion. They, they think that the Chick was the, the wolf that bit uh, McDougal because he obviously had a wolf mask earlier. Yes. Was almost so kind of all together. Yeah, uh, Cheney's. Uh, so now, now Chick understands that all this. He's seen Dracula change, and he, he's he's finally believing everything that's going on. Just that you know, we've only got about 15 minutes left in the film. <laughs> Something else I like about these movies is that they do not overstay their welcome. I no. Mean, they, back back then, you could you know, I mean. When was the last movie you saw in the theater that was 88 minutes? Right. You know, I guess they figure people would feel like they've been ripped off. But to me, it's if a movie, you know, like works well at 88 minutes, then it's 88 minutes. I'd rather see a movie that's 88 minutes than a movie that's two hours with a half hour of filler. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, you can zip in and out of these things very quickly, which is, I, I, I enjoy that. Well, you know, it's kind of odd. It, the, the long movies in juxtaposition to the, how fast life seems to go nowadays and how fast-paced everything is. It's like you can watch, like, two of these movies in the time it takes you to watch a lot of the big-budget blockbuster yeah. films, you know? Yeah. It, it, when I was watching Son of Frankenstein a few years ago, it's the longest, I think, of the yeah. Universal movies. Yeah, it's like an hour and 40, yeah. Yeah, it's like, this is... And it feels kind of padded, honestly. It does. Compared it does. to some of them. It's like, there's so many times with... You know, you spend way too much time with, you know, Basil Rathbone being pithy to Lionel Atwell, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree entirely. That one, I, it's a good, it's a beautiful looking movie with great performances, but yeah, it is it's a little like, it just doesn't need to be that long. Yeah, I could have done with more Igor. Lugosi owns that movie. As, he's great. As he's Igor. great in that part, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I mean, as, as much as I love him as Dracula, he's just, he's just great as, as Igor. He's just so, you can tell he's just having a ball just being that just downright despicable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Lugosi looks really great with the lighting there when he came out of the, with the great. That was a, we begin? That was a really I like the little movie. animated effect of yeah, the yeah. lightning bolts on the neck. Just a very subtle little thing there. Yeah. Now, I understand the ring from this film got uh, it got bandied about and reused in 
That was one of Lugosi's rings that, that Christopher Lee wore in at least one movie. And then, oh, I didn't know that. And then one. But I don't think it's actually the same ring, like the original Dracula ring. I think it might be from this film. And then, uh, and maybe even Carradine wore it in uh, one of the House movies. And then Lee wore one. And, and Duncan Rager in the Monster Squad wore one of Lee's. But I don't know if they're all the same ring. But the, the Dracula ring was. Passed around to different Dracula actors, which is kind of a neat. I like that. I like that idea. Yeah, that's 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 that's, that's kind of neat. I really liked uh, Duncan Rager in, in the Monster Squad. He had a he had a nice blend of Lagozzi's kind of sophisticated charm and and Lee's animal animalistic, you know, just pure evil Dracula. It's a nice mix. Yeah, that's a very fun movie, and it clearly loves those characters. Yeah, it clearly, really is you know a tribute to. For a minute, it doesn't just use them as sort of, you know, brand awareness kind of thing. No. You know, it actually treats them with respect. Yeah. Even though, even though it's putting them in a story that's, you know, very comical and things like that. Right. It's, it's, it owes a lot to this movie. Yeah. Oh, right. The kisser. I like the look on his face. I'm like, oh. <laughs> The women in this movie are pretty evil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's like, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, we were talking about Son of Dracula earlier, the, the the lead in that, she is, man, she's a manipulative, she's playing Dracula for a chump in that film, I mean, yeah. so she's the, that's a very noirish movie, she's a, the typical femme fatale, she's, you know, that's, I, I do actually like that movie a lot, the plot and everything, it's, it's, it's got some nice twist to it, but like you said, it's just, unfortunately, Cheney just... Doesn't quite work, and yeah. he did. Even though he he shouldn't have worked as the, the son of, you know, the very urbane Claude Rains in, in the original Wolfman, but the the story they yeah, set up, yeah, yeah, you know, the story they set up that he went to the states and stayed there for eighteen years. It kind of gives you the impression that he he didn't quite fit in it at home, so he kind of found where he belonged in the states. And then when he come home, he he'd been Americanized, you know, right, right, <laughs> you know. Oh, they just dump, they dump him in the floor. It's just like, wow. Of course, they're getting ready to, you know, kill him all, so. Kind of makes you wonder why Dracula just didn't bite him, you know, and get a snack. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, uh, we didn't quite mention, we didn't mention it before, but Lynn Strange actually does have, well, it's one line over and over again. <laughs> yes, Master, but <laughs> he can speak, the monster can speak again, which he hasn't done since... Well, since the end of uh, Ghost of Frankenstein, when yeah. he was speaking with Igor's voice. Frankie boy. You know, it's uh, Cheney always, he, he didn't want to talk in Bride of Frankenstein, and he still didn't think he should have talked by the time they made uh, Son of Frankenstein, but I think just about everybody disagrees with him. <laughs> that they, they like him. Yeah, well, you, meant, you said Cheney, you meant Karloff. Uh, yeah, Karloff, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, Karloff. Karloff did not want to know. Yeah, Karloff, I'm sorry. It was a good idea for the monster to speak, but... Right. Yeah, no, I think it, it, it I think most people, yeah, agree that it, it's nice, the whole friend and stuff like that. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't, I failed to bring this up. I was going to bring it up earlier. We saw Dracula actually piloting the boat which, uh, you know, I didn't think drag the vampires could cross running water. So <laughs> maybe he had some, you know, this native soil in the bottom of the boat. <laughs> you win a no prize. Man. <laughs> That's right. He makes Stanley proud. Attaboy. 
Yeah, the whole rock on the fingers thing. That's gag. That thing looked very uncomfortable. That neck brace looked very uncomfortable. Yeah, it did. It kind of almost looked like he was kind of hanging a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. He was too short for it. It's, it's hard not to, you know, especially when you get into this part of it, it's hard not to just watch it because it's yeah. just so fun. I love these props. These props are just beautiful. Oh, the yeah. lab props. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, it's 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 a nice, it looks like a, it looks more like a more modern lab than what we saw in, like, the original Frankenstein films, but it's yeah. still got that, some of that uh, Kenneth Strick Fadden like um, equipment, and I don't know if it, he did it, but it, you still got some of the... Come on. They're really neat looking, uh, you know, impossible science stuff. This sequence here where Dracula is getting ready to uh, call Wilbur back, it's that, that's some of the best, that's an iconic shot of Lugosi right there. It I mean, is. It I'm is. pretty sure they made a life-size poster. Yeah, they made, they made, there you go. Yeah, that's it. They, I think there was a, like a life-size poster of Dracula in the 60s like that, and the Aurora model kit box looked like that. I mean, it's, uh, that's, that's, that's Dracula, you know, that's what you think of. Yeah. And, and they, of course, goes without saying, no fangs on Dracula. Lugosi never, oh, had, never had fangs. I said... I guess Christopher back. Lee was the first Dracula that, well, other than Nosferatu... He was the yeah, first, well, that's right. Yeah, uh, he, he was the first Dracula, but, and he had those freaky little needle fangs in the front of his mouth, which that's just that movie's still creepier. And, yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> it's just whoa. I love Wilbur skipping. Yeah. <laughs> Did they say there was Gregory Mank say that the script called for him to be sitting on a rock that that like got pulled back into the cave or something like that? And, yeah, yeah. I don't think that would have been his. You know, him skipping to it's like fits in with his his Child character. character. Yeah, his persona. Almost the, the lighting on the on that almost looked animated uh, when it was coming through the window. I don't know if it was, yeah, it almost looked more like an animated effect than a just a pure lighting effect. You know, this is great. This is all of this stuff flying around. Yeah, this is just oh my yeah, god. Yeah, look at all that stuff going. I mean, it looks like Peter Parker's getting ready to get bitten by a radioactive spider. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like the old Spider-Man cartoon, the, the origin of Spider-Man. <laughs> you can hear the music in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Use some ether here. <laughs> uh, I'm getting ahead of myself while I'm talking about it. <laughs> here we go. Now, now, this, is, this, this movie has one of the best final sequences yeah. I'd say of any film. I mean, it just, I mean... There was a little bit of kind of, I don't want to say dead space in the leading up to this, yeah. but it, it sort of slowed its pace a little, yeah. and then when it gets to this whole, this, the final basic the 10 minutes of the movie is just rock'em sock'em. Yeah, it's breakneck. Um, it never lets up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be afraid that we're not going to, like, say as much as we should, because <laughs> this, this ending is just so, it's just so good. They just, there we go. Now we've got the Wolfman going. Yeah. Everybody's. Everybody's in the same space. Boy, uh, there's lots of craziness going to take place here. Yeah. Now, now we've got the Wolfman, and yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice shot of him right yep. there, growling at the camera. And, <laughs> and now uh, Wilbur's. Uh, this is a pretty neat trick. He kicks off and 
Knox uh, Wolfman and some lab equipment. And now you get a nice little tug of war between uh, Dracula and the Wolfman. And, and it doesn't take long for Dracula to figure out, hey, you know, I wasn't in it for this. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting out of here. <laughs> yeah, like I said, Dracula... Dracula's victims really uh, he, his his success relies on his victims being patient. Right. Uh, he's not great with a guy who's moving at a fast clip. Right. And he just gets the hell out of the room. Yeah. It's, it's, so the Wolfman kind of pones Dracula in this movie. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> and uh, boy, Glenn Strange looks he looks great coming up out of those straps. Yep. He's, he was I mean he was uh, I think by far the largest. Uh, guy to play the monster uh, I mean Chaney Jr. wasn't a short man by any means but I think well, Glenn Strange was like what 6'6 six, six or something yeah, like that big dude, big he's dude. a big dude yeah uh, and here, here we go here's the this the is one of the greatest stunts I've ever seen in a movie in my lifetime this yeah. right he picks her up picks her up and then where's he gonna where's the reverse shot there's, there's a chick is yep. here we go boom <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That is amazing. That stuff. He literally throws somebody. Now here's there's Lon playing the monster for one second there. That hey, shot. And I, yeah, from what I understand, uh, the the stunt woman swung back into Strange in the first take and knocked him into. Uh, uh, he he went to grab her and and uh, tripped over some wires and and broke his ankle or twisted it real bad. And yeah. So Chaney put the makeup on and. Became the monster again for a few scenes. But that stun is startling. That stun yeah. is because it's literally throwing a human through that fake window, and you see her fall out. It is. It is still to me breathtaking, <laughs> and, and the, the fact that it's a stunt in an abacus television is amazing. And now Dracula's reduced to throwing potted plants. <laughs> This is just great. This is just yeah. so much crazy. Yeah. I don't want to say a curse word. So much crazy nonsense happening all at once. This is just the entire battle raging over here. Yeah, the, the entire series of Scooby Doo's its existence to this sequence. <laughs> it's just coming in and out of the doors and like that little little gift to the audience there, where he pulls the yeah the thing out from <laughs> under the, the candle. Yeah, it, yeah. I like, I like this. <laughs> I mean, he thinks Frankenstein's I'm not that smart. <laughs> You're right. There you go. Yeah, it's he's, it's a minor inconvenience, like the cellophane Superman ass and Superman two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so the monsters, you know, checking around, going through all the rooms. This, yeah, this is definitely the, the, the. Uh, these guys did it first, but for us kids, some grew up on Saturday morning. This is Scooby Doo type sequences yep. here. Yeah, that's pretty gutsy to actually yeah. go up to the monster here. Now here's where Luke gets it. Right there, God. right in the face. <laughs> I imagine getting hit by Glenn Strange didn't feel too good. No, it's got fists the size of hams. You know. So. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's our final. This is an amazing shot too. This this stunt is great. Yeah. Turns into the bat, and then yeah. Off the Whammo! Right. Yeah, boom. Yeah. <laughs> That's the end of Dracula and the Wolfman as we know them. They That's don't it. they don't resurface in any universal movie, oh, so no. that was the end. That was the end, end of them. And if you uh you know, running water and vampires, if you don't go you know, the boat, that could have very well been the end of Dracula. So yep. Christopher Lee got frozen in a 
you know, a stream out in front of his castle in the, was it Prince of Darkness? Dracula Prince of Darkness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, the, the monster coming. He's, he's moving a pretty good clip for the monster mm -hmm. here. He's, he's not messing around, he, you know. Tears that iron gate off. And there's McDougal again. He's, man, that guy just won't quit. He's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of money tied up in this house of ours. Yeah. There you go. It's like, ah, oh, forget it. <laughs> yeah, that guy's like, for never mind. Yeah. We're in over our heads. Yeah. I like, I, I like this, you know. <laughs> Wilbur just jumps into the boat. <laughs> that looks like it's Costello, too. Yeah, it does. I'm pretty sure I it was think, him. Yeah, I think it is. Still that with this is this is kind of sad the way the Frankenstein monster goes out. I mean, yes, it's like he doesn't really deserve this. No, he's, he's just a puppet. He's not actually a bad guy. No, I mean he sort of is, but yeah, not really. It's like once he's set on a course, he just can't course correct. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just he's like he Dracula's not even around. He's still just after these guys now. It's like anything that gets in front of him, he feels threatened. So he's yeah. just. You know, and man, how much gasoline do you need? Yeah. <laughs> going to blow up all of Florida. And I'm surprised he didn't, Dr. Stevens himself didn't catch on fire yeah. after splashing yeah, gasoline. You know, it always kind of puzzled me. My kids have asked, why does he walk into the fire? But it's almost like it's, I don't know, it's, it, is it a, you know, fire's bad, but it's pretty? Or is it a, like, That's true, self, yeah. self-aware that he's ending himself? You know, because the monster did do that in the uh, Bride of Frankenstein. He blew the the lab up. And Here we the go. Let's, there's a dummy. That's yeah, pretty good. That, it's a pretty good yeah. effect. In fact, you see yeah. it, you know. It works. And that's it. Well, he won't yeah. And now yeah. the final gag. Yeah. Which, for years, I didn't realize how that this actually has a precedent with, with the actor that, that, that does this. Um, get the... Uh, too bad. The cigarette and, and the match. And, uh, yep. And you get Vincent Price. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Invisible <laughs> Man and the Invisible Man Returns. I did not know that for years afterwards. So Truly an all-star cast. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Yeah, what a great gag to end out on. They got Vincent Price in your car. Right. I mean. Yeah, Uncredited, too. He's not credited yeah. as far as I know. Well, it's kind of it's kind of neat too because if you think like Vincent Price's horror career really began after this, you know, when he was kind of the master of the horror of those type of horror movies, and so it's almost kind of like a a passing of the torch type deal, you know, uh, to him in in some ways you can look at it. So yeah, I mean that's just that's just you know there's few movies that you can say that's a perfect perfect movie, and that's for what it is. It's it's just uh, I mean. It's a perfect little movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's fun. It's it's a little spooky, and and it's just a good time. You know, you can sit down and watch it any time. And and this time of year, it's that much better. So yeah, absolutely. The one thing I want to mention just before we sign off is like, you know, for before you know the internet, before fandom, like you know, when I grew up, I always loved this movie, and I didn't know anybody else who did because I didn't have any other friends that were like into monsters or into like Abbott Costello, and. I the only time I ever saw it, like, ever mentioned in the culture, you know, that I was aware of, ironically yeah. enough, was in uh, Ambush Bug. Um, oh, yeah? <laughs> where in Ambush Bug number three, they do, like, a like a Playboy fact sheet of Ambush Bug, and he lists his favorite movies. Yeah. And he lists, like, um, I forget, Them 
the the movie yeah. Them. The uh, movie. Yeah, the, the Ant movie. Uh, a thing called If, I believe he mentions. And then he says, Abin Costello meets Frankenstein. And I remember just thinking, wow, somebody else actually likes this movie. You know, like, it just, I'd never seen it mentioned anywhere. And, like, now, of course, you can find scholarly, you know, things about it all over the place in a thousand right. books. But I didn't know of any of that stuff. So right. there it was. Here was somebody saying how much they loved Abin Costello meets Frankenstein. I was like, yeah, me too. So I, I always – conflate those two things this movie with that little comment because it just seemed so out of place but uh, uh right. yeah and I, I i love it i love this movie and it holds up just so well it really does it's really funny really spooky it's got everything yeah it's it you know and it's and i you know you mentioned it was your first probably your first universal monster movie it was definitely mine so and i think a lot of people it is their gateway drug into yeah. the monsters i mean it it's it's a perfect way to introduce your kids to it. I mean, by the, they were the it was, this was the first film my kids saw with the classic monsters in it, and uh, you know it's it, but it 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 fits in with the other films. If you're a fan of it, I think you'd have to be a real you know real stickler to to not appreciate this film in the context of those. I mean, uh, yeah. apparently at some point Lon Chaney Jr. changed his opinion of it and and thought it kind of ruined the the uh the the classic horror film but I, I i don't buy that i think that was sour grapes at that point i think that i think that just the you know the taste had changed and and it, it was a while before the gothic horror movies came back and uh by, by the time they did they had to uh you know they, they they had to update it with more blood and and you know more shocks like the hammer films you know uh so this you know this is kind of the this is the last hurrah for the the Universal Monsters, and it's a great way to go out. I yeah. mean, it's you know, I, I mean, considering how bad some of the Universal monster movies not the not the monster ones, but some of their horror films in the late forties got. Yeah, I, you could. I don't think you could. You'd be hard pressed to say this is inferior to those, just because this one's a comedy. This one is expertly made. Some great stunts, as we talked about, and it, it treats the characters well. I mean. You know, I mean, Universal two years earlier had made The Brute Man yeah. with Rondo Hatton, which is a terrible movie. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's a terrible. So, it, yeah. you know, Universal really wasn't very interested in making good monster movies at this point. So, but Charles Barton and Abbott Costello and the screenwriters certainly took it seriously. So, I think it fits perfectly well in as the final chapter to these to these characters, despite the fact that it's a comedy and the rest are not. I think it it treats them with respect and gives them gives them all a nice moment. I mean, hey. What that's a great final scene for Dracula and the Wolfman. I mean, yeah. that's an amazingly powerful scene of the Dracula figuring I'll escape by turning into a bat, and the Wolfman grabs him, and they both plunge into the sea. That's a that's a killer final moment. Yeah, I mean, you know that they're they're you know they're, he's he, you know it's Dracula. Dracula thinks he's I'm I'm smarter than this. I'm getting away, and the Wolfman's like, oh hell no, you're not. Yep. And then he, they, he takes them both out. You know. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a great scene. I mean, there's been a lot of great movie characters that have went out, uh, you know, uh, with a like a, really like a bitch. <laughs> yeah, like a bitch, like Boba Fett or somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You know, screaming and crying as they fall into a starlight pit. But uh, you know, and this movie to me is is far superior to House of Dracula. Yep. Which uh, you know, I mean, I, it, it has its moments, but you know, it gets into all that pseudo psychoscience with you know well your your werewolfism is caused by pressure on your brain and all yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like to me that's kind of to me that's kind of a low point of the 
the universal monster movies that involve the, the big three. Uh, I mean, it, it has its moments, and I like things about it, but to me, this is a step back up. Into yeah, the, yeah, the, I agree. I the, agree. The, some of the quality that, that was lost in the in the House of movies, the House of Frankenstein, you got Karloff, so that kind of brings it up. But but yeah, I mean, this is this is uh, you know, it, it's kind of uh, I kind of wish they'd done you know, well. In a way, I'm kind of glad they didn't make another one like this. I know they made other meets the monster movies, but I'm glad we didn't see these three monsters again because this is so perfect. If they made another, it probably would have just kind of squandered it a little bit. Yeah, you know? no, these they all get good final scenes. There's no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, that I, you know, I, I guess the uh, the Frankenstein monster Glenn Strange showed up on the what the Colgate Comedy Hour that Evan Costello had. Uh, he showed up as the monster, and uh, and and Cheney showed up as the monster at some point. And I think when Strange was on there, that's when they introduced the the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yes, in a, in a skit on that, I've seen that online, and it, he, that was right before the movie came out. So he technically made his first appearance on TV with them before yeah. the movie, which is <laughs> a great little skit. And that's 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 its own great little movie. But yeah, for the classic, uh, the classic. The big three of the Universal Monsters. This was this was a nice nice send off, definitely. Absolutely. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We yeah. appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, Chris, always fun to do these commentaries with you. We next, yeah. I guess we'll have to do uh, I don't know Groundhog Day, some other theme <laughs> uh, holiday related film. Uh, so uh, I guess we don't have anything else really to say other than you know Happy Halloween. Yeah, Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs>